Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Good morning. Can we stand to our feet? We are gonna get to worship this morning. I was glad when they said, let us come into the house of the Lord. With gratitude and thanksgiving, your heart and your hands are open for all that the Lord has. How many of you have something to be thankful for this morning? Yes, look at those hands. At home, online, you have something to be thankful for. Well, let's come into the house. Let's put our hands together. Let's applaud the name of the Lord and come in expectation. Come on, put your hands together. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Come on, a little bit louder, hallelujah. Can we applaud the goodness and presence of the Lord right now? Come on, wherever you at, put your hands together. Somebody shout praise. Yes. God is good and all the time. Let's worship Him today. You are my rock and my defense. You are my hope and my confidence. You are my savior and my friend. You are good. You are good. We sing it together. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Thank you, Lord. That's it. Come on. Thank you, Lord. You are good. You are good. That's right. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are good. You are good. When the chaos shakes the ground, and only darkness can be found. Yeah. 
celebration in the middle of a shout in the middle of a song in the middle of a service you deserve this attention you deserve this recognition you deserve this sacrifice of praise you deserve this sacrifice of of our time you deserve it father you have earned it God you've been so faithful you've been so kind you've been so good you've been so merciful you've been so gentle so Father, as we gather today, may we just sit in this presence for a moment. And I pray that, Lord, when we sit with our Father, I pray that we would gain the confidence that our Father desires us to walk in. That we would have confidence no matter what we encounter, what, we, what is standing against us, that you're standing for us. And that if that is the case, what could possibly be standing against us? So Father, I pray that we would have this faith arise in our midst, arise in our spirit, arise in our marriage, arise in our family, arise with our children. May we just know that what you've begun in us, you are faithful to complete. And Lord, that if we are standing against an obstacle, spirit of resistance are all around, that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, our answer is not arguing with certain people and winning arguments and winning debates, but it's, it's being hidden in Christ and watching our God fight our battles for us. So Father, this is not just honoring and praising you. This is how we fight our battles. So we stand in these places. So Father God, I pray that you would be glorified. In the mighty name of Jesus, all of God's people said and shouted, amen and amen. Come on, if you're grateful for our Father, come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. Hey. 
your body and your blood you shed for me. This is how I fight my Like I'm surrounded, but I'm 
and at home. Lift our hands as we declare it again. Sing. This is how I find God, we lift our voice to you. This is how I fight my battles. Let's hear our voices. This is how I to you. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, this is how, this is how, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, no, because this, this is, is how, how I fight my battles. Right here, right now, in the presence of the Lord. That's within me now Cause this, this is, is how I fight my Father, right now, you're doing something in the spirit realm that none of us can really fully comprehend. Lord, I pray right now that as we are here in the presence of the Lord, your Holy Spirit is behind the scenes doing things that we couldn't even dream to even ask for. So God, you're fighting on our behalf. You're working in those places that we have no control over relationship strains it seems like it's too far gone to even try to fix God you're working in the scenes those places of breakthrough that we need we've been praying for we've been begging for for years you're fighting our battles right there in the most important battle that we all face the battle for our soul we thank you for the perfect, completed, undefeated work of Jesus Christ that has fought this battle, who has won it on our behalf, that gives us the authority, the freedom, and the liberty to stand and see the salvation of the Lord. We, are, we have been saved by grace. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this. And I pray, Lord, that even through the rest of the service, God, there would just be this awareness that we are not alone. We are not alone. We are not alone. We are not alone. You may feel like you're not being seen, you're not being heard, but you are not alone today. Wherever you are, wherever you are wrestling with, you are not alone today. Thank you, Father, for ministering your presence and your promise once again to your people today. We lift up our hands, we lift up our eyes, we open up our hearts with great expectation and we say, speak, Father, for your servants are listening. Speak a word today through your servant that will change the course of our life for your glory and for your honor. And all of God's people shouted, amen and amen. Oh, Cathedral of Faith, I believe something's gonna happen. I believe something's gonna shift. Cathedral of Faith, I just want, I just want a couple, like somebody's got to want this. Come on, somebody's got to want this. Somebody's got to want this. Hold on one second. 
It's not the job of Pastor Ken to make you excited about what God has for you. Come on, we all own this. This is our life. This is our calling. This is your opportunity. The healer is in the house. The miracle maker is in the house. The therapist is in the house. The counselor is in the house. He's here. Respond to him. Don't respond to me or the song or the lights or the sound. God is in the midst. Come on, Cathedral of Faith, if that doesn't excite you. Come on, your breakthrough is right here today. Right here. The miracle you need is right here. Come on. Come on, Cathedral. Respond to him in this moment. Come on, give him a shout of praise. Amen and amen. God is good all the time. Welcome to Cathedral of Faith, everybody. Those who are watching online or at a different campus, we're so grateful to be connected with you this way. The Spirit of God is at work and on the move right here at Cathedral. This is a place where everyone is welcome. Nobody's perfect, where the love is lived out and everything and anything is because we serve an amazing God. And if you're grateful that you do, before you're seated, we're gonna give God one more great big shout of praise. Does he deserve it or not? Come on. A great big shout of praise. Hallelujah! Hi, Cathedral family. Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Veronica, and I'm here to let you know about a few exciting things going on around the church. If it's your first time with us, we would love to welcome you to the Cathedral of Faith family. There's a welcome card on the seat back in front of you. You can scan the QR code or turn it over and fill it out. You can also pick one up from one of our ushers or greeters after the service. Can you believe Easter is only two weeks away? Next week begins Holy Week. We'll be celebrating in a very special way, but be sure you know what time to be here. Easter week here at the church is a great time to invite your friends, family, coworkers, and neighbors. Next week, we'll be hosting modern-day Indiana Jones, Thomas Winder. He's the executive director of the Holy Land Research Institute. He will share his latest research and discoveries of the location of the transfiguration of Christ and what it means to us. Join us on Wednesday at 7.30 in the sanctuary. You won't want to miss it. From classes to events, we've got so many ways that you can take part here at Cathedral of Faith. Be sure to follow us on social media, check out our website, or download the app to always be up to date on the latest and see how you can get involved. Thank you so much for joining us and have a great weekend. Oh, good morning, Cathedral family. I hope the words of that song we just sang are still working in you. It may look like I'm surrounded, <laughs> but I'm surrounded by you. It may feel like I'm surrounded. The circumstances and struggles and frustrations and pressures may be coming around, but I'm surrounded by him. Amen? Amen. Well, not only are you surrounded by God, but you're surrounded by the people of God. It's so great to have you here today, whether you're here, those who are being surrounded by the sounds of heaven at home, by watching online. We're praying that this day, victory would rise and hope would rise inside of your heart. And that's why we have so many opportunities for you to grow and serve. I would encourage you to check out our ways to connect and grow and serve here at Cathedral of Faith so that you can continue to be surrounded in body, mind, and spirit by all that God wants to do in your life. Amen? 
Well, in Corinthians, Paul's writing in his second letter to them, this passage of scripture that starts in chapter nine. And here's what it says. God loves a cheerful giver. Your gifts are not only supplying needs, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. What kind of giver does God like? Cheerful. What kind? Cheerful. Turn to the person next to you and just give him a big smile. Okay, there you go. We got some cheerful givers. And notice what it says. You're supplying needs every week. Thousands of families are fed. Hundreds of lives are touched. Ministries take place. People are being transformed and strengthened and changed because of your giving to supply needs. But notice what it says. It supplies needs and it's overflowing in thanks to God. That's pretty amazing. Writing God a thank you note, that's what happens every time we give. It's a way of saying, God, thanks. Thanks for your faithfulness. Thanks for who you are. Thanks for what you're working. And so in this moment that we come to each week, the ushers have envelopes if you need them to give after service. You can go to our app. You can go online. You can text the number on the screen. You can write out a check and mail it to us, those of you at home, or drop it by the church office. This is a way that you supply needs for others. Orphans are housed and find Jesus. Lives are transformed as you give in this moment, but it also gives gratitude and thanks to God. And now, as Veronica mentioned earlier, Easter's coming up, and after service, we encourage you to pick up one of these on the way out so that you could give it to someone whose life could be transformed by being here on Resurrection Sunday. Amen? We got a wonderful service plan. Pastor Ken has a powerful word. It's going to be a wonderful time together, so please join us. Now, when I think of all the things I'm thankful for, I hope you have at the top of your list one of the things that's on the top of mind. Every week... I always want to make sure I've got my scriptures with me. And every week, I always want to make sure that my bookmark is where I mark my daily devotional reading. And the bookmark says, pray for the Foreman family. We have that responsibility as members of this church family to uphold our leader. Amen? Amen. Well, let's welcome Pastor Ken as he comes. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Cathedral family. Well, it's great to see you today, wherever you're at, if you're in the building, if you're out in the parking lot, if you're in the amphitheater, can we give God praise? It's sunny today! And those that are watching online, one of the ways God has been so good to us, I'm gonna invite you to stand one more time. Um, one of the ways God has been so good to us is the friendships that he's given us over all the these years. I, in two years, we'll celebrate our 60th anniversary as a church family. And it's going to be a great year. We're already beginning to think and pray about that. But over those years, uh, one of those friends was uh, a minister by the name of Reverend Harold Woodson. The first time he was with us was in 1966. He was 17 years old and he was a part of our journey uh, for many, many years. And then Pastor Alan Randolph, who was on staff with us those first 10 years. They've been friends of the Cathedral family for a lot of years. And we have with us today some very special guests. Pastor Randolph's son, Bruce, is with us. And I just want to welcome Bruce. It's great to have him. And then Reverend Woodson's son, Brian, is with us with his entire family. Well, there's one daughter that's not here, 
but they've come all the way from Atlanta, Brian has, and to be with us today. Now, Brian is at one of the leading churches on the East Coast. He leads a large campus on that, uh, at that church, and he's going to be here ministering with us. He's got a word. I want to tell you, if you, if you are discouraged and you want to stay discouraged, you better leave the building right now. Because he's got an encouraging word that is absolutely going to build your spirit. So are you ready? I'm ready. Say that with me. I'm ready. Would you give a great big welcome to Brian Woodson? Brian. Can we give God a big shout of praise in the house this morning? Come on. While you're standing, let's pray. Father, we welcome you into this room. We ask you, God, to have your way. Lord, you are at work in us and among us. And we just ask you, God, to do what only you can do. God, you can raise the dead. You can heal the sick. You can bring eyes back to sight and vision. You can restore families. You can do the impossible. And so, God, the next few minutes, we don't take you for granted. We press in and we lean in because anytime your word is spoken and anytime your people gather, anything is possible. There are no limits with you, God. All the limits are removed and we have great expectation for what you want to do and say in this room today. And if you love God with all your heart, say a big amen. 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 So good to be here today. You may be seated. What an honor it is to be in Cathedral of Faith today. This church is legendary. You are legendary. Uh, we, I, I feel like I'm walking among giants today. Uh, your church has created leaders in the global mission of God that has touched generations and has touched all the corners of the earth. And that's important to be a part of something bigger than us, isn't it? Isn't it great to be a part of something bigger than yourself and to contribute to reaching the world for Christ. And I do want to just say how honored it is to have my family here on the front row. Um, I love you guys so much. And it's an honor that uh, you would be associated with me. You didn't have to come, but you did. And uh, give my love to my daughter who's at home in Georgia. And it's also great to be with one of my best friends in the world, Bruce, like an uncle to me, like a brother to me, uh, was, wasn't like a boss to me, but was a boss to me at one point and didn't fire me. So I'm so thankful that, that, that can I have, I might need a job at the end of today though. So just, just keep, keep the options open and pastor Ken and Kurt, what a warm welcome you have given us today. And I love standing behind you and praying for you guys and celebrating every win that God has given you. And the best is yet to come. Can I get a big amen? The best is yet to come. All right, let's get right to it. I want to preach a message to you today out of 2 Kings chapter 6. And I love uh, how Pastor Vaughn led us in worship. You know, um, it's impossible. Have you realized this? It's impossible to worry and worship at the same time. If you try, it's a little confusing, but God knows what to do when you worship. And here's the, another good part. The devil knows what to do when you worship. 
The devil and all of his lies leave the room when you're solely fixated on God. When you worship God, it's impossible to worry in front of God because all you can see is him. And when you're struck with God's glory, you realize the level of capacity that your God has. The Bible says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I've never really done the math. How many cattle can you fit on a hill? I'm not quite sure. But if you have a thousand hills, you've got a whole lot of cattle. And your God today is not bankrupt. I know in our culture today, there's a lot of concern about finance. I want to remind you that your God is not bankrupt. Your God is not on a budget. He's not trying to make things last until the end of your life. God has excess. He has more than enough. And this mentality of poverty and lack, it's not connected to the church. What an honor it is to have a God that is a God of more than enough. And we, you know, whenever I would ask, I remember walking into dad, mom and dad's room and dad would have a, a stack of cash on, on the dresser. And uh, one time I said, dad, if I can guess how much is in that stack, can I have it? And he said, yes. And I said, can I have three guesses? He said, yes. Can I have four guesses? He said, no. <laughs> so I got it wrong every, every time. And I just, but I was planning ahead. And the next time I went through his room, I saw the stack of cash and I got wise or evil. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I went ahead and counted it. And then I saw him later. I said, Dad, if I guess how much is in that stack of cash, can I have it? And with a bigger grin than I had, he said, yes. It's almost like I was his son. <laughs> it's almost like he was a prophet. So I guessed with one, within one dollar. And he said, well, you missed out, son. You don't get it. So he knew what I was up to. But I was guessing based upon the stack, right? I kind of looked at, I saw a 20 up top and I saw maybe a couple ones in there and I knew it wasn't a billion. I had to guess within reason because what I saw was just kind of a modest little stack, but it was more money than I had at the time. But do you know when we ask God for provision, he's not waiting for us to, to ask uh, in a way that he can manage when God so loved the world, he didn't love us on a budget. When God so loved the world, he bankrupted heaven to win the world. He sent his very best, his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that no matter what campus you're at or whether you're watching online or listening over the radio or wherever else this is broadcast, when you step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, all bets are off and all the limits are off too. Can I get a big amen this morning? So in 2 Kings chapter 6, this is a situation where the prophet of God, Elisha, has been sort of on a war path disrupting an evil local king. And when you look at it, and I didn't have it in my notes, but I was looking at it earlier, and it says in 2 Kings 6 verse 8, it says the king of Aram was at war with Israel. It doesn't say that Israel was at war with Aram. It says that Aram, and not only, not even the nation, but it said the king. The king of Aram was at war with Israel. And you know what? Sometimes you can be walking through life and you're not throwing darts at anybody, but just because of who you are, there's war at you, even though you don't have war with them. Our culture wants you to fight back. Our culture wants you to, if you get hit, you hit, you hit back harder. But when you're walking with God, it doesn't matter how many people are at war with you. If you're at peace with God, God is your victory. God is your warrior. Can I get an amen this morning? 
It said the king of Aram was at war with Israel. And I want to give you just a, if you read the title on the top of that uh, little section in the Bible, this section, the Bible says this is where Elisha traps the blinded Armenians. God, God, God isn't really good at holding back the punchline. He lets you know ahead of time, this is gonna look bad, but it's gonna end real well. And there's a lot of people in our culture, in our life, and maybe even in this room or at one of the campuses today, that you feel like it, it looks bad, but I hear God saying it's gonna end well. And that's not a preacher telling you, that's the word of God telling you. That's not just a feel good moment, that's God's promises out of his word. And when you have your word in your heart, you'll always have a word for whatever your life situation is. So yeah, so the prophet, so Elisha um, was kind of messing with the king of Aram. And anytime the king of Aram wanted to set a trap for the prophet or for the king of, of Israel, the prophet would step in with a word from God and he would let the king know, hey, king of Aram is going to set a trap for you. They're going to try to get you over here. Just don't go over there. So it just seemed like no matter what was planned, God's people just kind of went around it, kind of almost effortlessly. You could just see the king of Aram putting everything he had in to really get God's people, but God's people just kind of like floated through life and avoided and dodged and sort of just like outran the enemy. And so finally the king got so fed up, he turned to his men and he said, which one of you are, te are telling the king of Israel our plans? There's gotta be a spy in the group. So finally, the guys, one of the men spoke up, probably afraid of his life. And he said, King, it's not us. But see, there's a guy connected to the king. His name is Elisha. And he is a prophet. He is a seer. And God speaks to this prophet and the prophet speaks to the king. Even so, king, the prophet tells the, the Israeli king, the king of Israel, the very things that you speak in your own bedroom. I'm telling you, God doesn't play fair. When God wants to protect his people, he will do whatever it takes to get you in, through, and out of a problem. God, God is not biting his nails. He's not nervous for you this morning. He's not asking the angels, oh, myself, what are we going to do this time? God is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end, and he's stuck right in the middle. And so it comes, it comes to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. And th this is the place where the king of Aram really got, he really was going to get the prophet. He was really going to get the seer. Elisha's days were numbered according to the king. So that, morning, that evening they go to bed and they wake up. And it says in, in verse 15, it says, When the servant of the man of God woke up early, the army with horses and chariots, they had surrounded the city. And he said, oh, my, oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. The prophet said this, do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. Yeah, that get me goosebumps already. You can't get too far into God's word without kind of getting encouraged a little bit. This is like good news. So, uh, so Elisha turned and he prayed, open his eyes so that he may see and then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills filled with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha, all around the city. And I love that we sang that song this morning. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I think it's important to live in reality. 
this doesn't look good. This doesn't feel good. It's important to understand reality and what we see, but it's also important to see something that we don't yet see. Because God's not intimidated by the army that surrounds you. We don't have to talk about the army that is threatening you in hushed tones so that God will think, well, they must not have any faith. The truth is we are surrounded by armies. The truth is there, are, there is a culture out to conquer the kingdom of God. But here's the good news. God is the ultimate warrior. And if you are connected to God, you're not walking and looking for victory. You're walking in victory. If you're a person of God today, you guys are fun to preach to. You guys have some energy this morning. It's almost like you believe what we're talking about. It's almost like you've already read ahead and you know the character and the nature of God. My, my wife always told me this, as long as you're in the word, you'll always have a word. And it's so important that we be people of the word and in the word, not just for ourselves, but for others. And this story illustrates that. There was a servant that was around the seer. He was around the prophet, but he needed a word. I remember one time uh, a couple years ago in our backyard in Atlanta, uh, my son Joel, who's on the front row with us, he's, he likes outside stuff. He likes being out in the garden. He likes being outdoors in the woods. He likes turning over rocks. He'll, he'll be the first one to spot some mysterious creature that we all overlook. Oh, look, there's a woolly mammoth. Oh, no one has seen that for years. <laughs> Joel will just spot things that is just right obvious once he points it out. One time he, he came into the kitchen with a, a bowl full of baby scorpions. And he walked into the kitchen. He must have been stung by one. And he looked at Ruth and he just, he must have been in shock. And he just dumped them on the kitchen table and they scattered everywhere. So Joel is outside. He loves doing things like that. And one time he runs into me and he says, Dad, Dad, I saw a snake. Now, this is not uncommon for Joel to say I saw a snake. But this time when he said it, he, he looked like he was a ghost. Looked like he'd seen a ghost. He said, Dad, there's a snake outside. And we all say amen when a snake is outside versus inside, right? <laughs> so he said, there's a snake outside. I said, Joel, okay, it's fine. He goes, no, there's a snake outside. I want you to come and see it. So we walk outside and our backyard kind of goes up a small little hill and then it goes down the back of the hill. And, uh, and, and so that's kind of where we're at. And if you could imagine, I'm on the hill and this is sort of the ravine, the back of the house. And we're standing here and Joel points up near the tree and he says, do you see it? I said, I don't see it. No, it's right there, dad. Do you see? No, I don't see the snake, Joel. Dad, it's right there. So I climb over the, over the bank and I'm now looking back up and I'm basically sort of eyeball to eyeball with where he says this creature is. And then I see it. And remember how I said Joel looked like he'd seen a ghost? That's how I felt. The se I had goosebumps all up and down my body. It must have been how Adam and Eve felt when they saw the enemy in the garden. Because once I saw it, it was like he was looking at me and I was looking at him and he was not scared and I was terrified. And it wasn't just a garden snake, it was a copperhead. And I don't know if you've ever seen a copperhead. Those things are nasty. I don't know why God invented them. That's the first question I'm asking him when I get to heaven. Where were you, God, when I needed you the most? But here's the thing. Once I saw the snake, I couldn't unsee it. Forever I was looking. I was trying to allow my eyes to see it, and I just couldn't, I couldn't get it. But once I locked eyes with the snake, I knew right where it was, and I could have pointed it out to any one of you in the room. 
It's the same thing with God. Once you see God, you cannot unsee him. And we spend years of our life trying to find God and see God and and see the works of God and see the move of God and hear the word of God. But once you lock eyes with God, you cannot unsee the power of God. You cannot unsee the miracles of God. You cannot unsee the power of God working in your family. And I want to encourage some, uh, some elders in the church today that you saw God when you were 12 years old and God healed you from tuberculosis and God did miracle after miracle and you've got some, some snotty-nosed grandkids that roll their eyes at you every time you talk about the power of God. I'm here to give you permission. Keep talking about them. Keep showing them. Keep pointing out where God is because your grandchildren will see. Your children will see. The next generation will know that there is a God in San Jose. There is a God in California. There is a God in Adelaide or Albuquerque in Morgan Hill and Gilroy, there is a God at work. And once you see him, you will never, you can never say he doesn't exist. Too late for me. I'm done. I've seen God do miracles. Too late for me. I'm done. I've seen God heal the sick. Too late. I am done. I have seen him bring people into the kingdom of God. That would have been the last person on our list. Can we give God praise in this house today? So, the, the, so they were in a city called Dothan. And I don't know if California has a city called Dothan. I think that's a very sophisticated, sort of like Nathan, but Nothan and Dothan. Dothan, I don't know if you have one around here. I know we have one in Alabama. I don't know that I know anyone from Dothan. I'm sure it's a, a fine town. I'm sure they've got a, a great, you know, like maybe one stop sign. I don't know what Dothan is all about. It's probably a wonderful community. Anybody ever been there? Just curious. That's what I thought. Yeah, Dothan, it's somewhere. So why was, why, why was the army of the enemy in Dothan? And here's the reason why, because Elisha was there. The reason they were there is because he was there. Have you ever heard somebody say, I don't mean to be super spiritual. I don't mean to be, I don't want to get like super deep. I, I, I don't want to over spiritualize everything. You ever heard someone say that? I don't know that that's actually possible. It is possible to be flaky. I don't think it's possible to be super spiritual. It says in Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand. It goes on to say, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, which is the things that we can see, but it is against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. There is a heavenly realm at work. And I've got news for you. If you are a believer, a Christ follower, you are not an underdog. You are not on the loser's bracket. You are at the top of the heap. You are in the winner's bracket. And you can thank God every day of your life that you are not walking, looking for victory, but you are walking in victory. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. This is Joseph talking to his brothers, the brothers that had thrown him into slavery, the brothers that had ripped his coat of many colors and and poured blood on it and went back and told the father that loved him that his son that he loved was dead, sold him into slavery, hoping that he would go away, tired of seeing him. It was that Joseph speaking to those same brothers. He said, listen, with, with no malice in his heart, no malice. Some of us in this room today, we need to forgive that person now. We need to forgive them before they ask. When they come and ask you for forgiveness, you don't need to think about it then. Think about it now. Think about it right now. Say, God, I'm not real thrilled with them. I I, I don't really like them so much. And I don't even know that I would have the capacity to ever love them again. But Lord, because you asked me to, I forgive them. 
Let's forgive them before they ask. And let's forgive them even if they never do ask. And that's what Joseph had already done. We were witnessing a man that had already forgiven his brothers. It was an already a made up mind. And if Joseph had not lived a life of forgiveness, he never would have been in the position that he found himself. So Joseph said to his brothers, you intended to harm me. That's bold. That's, that's, that's just speaking truth. But it wasn't with anger. He said, you intended to harm me, but watch. But God intended for good. And God's intention for good was to accomplish what is now being done. Brothers, what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You wanted to kill me, but by putting me in that pit and trying to kill me, you actually saved a whole nation. Some of us need to send our enemies some thank you notes this week. Some of us need to send our enemies some thank you notes this week. You intended to harm me, but what God is doing right now, he took what you did and what the enemy planned and we're saving lives. So I want to thank you for putting me in this great position. Can I get a better amen? The setting was Dothan. The battle was in Dothan. Why was it in Dothan? It was because Elisha was there. And I don't want to get super spiritual on you this morning, but here's the reality. Your work life is a battle. Your love life is a battle. Your home life is a battle. Your finances are a battle. Your relationships are a battle. Why? Not because of anything else other than you're there. You need to recognize that the person you see in the mirror is not just what you see, but there's something in you that is a representative of God. And every time the devil sees you, he sees God in you and he's jealous of you. But you don't need to. You, do you need, I walk by a mirror and I, you know, on a, on, a, on a given day, I'll borrow some clothes from my sons and they'll, they'll help me with, you know, with how I look and what's cool and, and not cool. And you can only do so much with some, you know what I mean? You can only do so much. But they try. And so I'll walk by a mirror. I'm like, oh, I thought I looked cooler than that. We need to break every mirror. I never want to see my reflection again. But it doesn't matter what you feel about yourself. The devil sees in you what you don't even see. And when the devil comes into your world, take it as an encouragement from him to know that you are a threat to him. It's a strange compliment when the devil puts you down. It's a strange compliment when the devil shows up in your world. It's his way of saying, you are high and lifted up. You are a mighty warrior. You are victorious and I want to take you down. But if he's in your presence, you know he's not there by himself. God is with you always. Elisha was there simply because, or the enemy was there simply because Elisha was there and the battle is in your world simply because you are there. You're a high value target. The enemy would love to take you out. The setting was Dothan. The servant was this young guy, young and eager and loyal and dependable, but unproven and unstable. And do you remember those days when you just had all the energy in the world, but no provision? You knew what you wanted to accomplish, but if somebody asked you a follow-up question, what's your plan? Do you have a business model? Have you thought this through? Do you have any research? Do you have any backing? What is your plan? My plan is to change the world. How are you going to do that? That's rude of you to ask. It says in 2 Kings, I'm going to read 2 Kings first here. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15, it says this. When the servant of the man of God got up, went out, the next morning the army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city, and the servant said, Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. You see, in, in that scripture, you see the word servant twice. And we're talking about a young man that's really unproven and full of energy and dependability on a level. 
but a lot of inexperience. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 8, that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. It's one thing to be unstable. It's another thing to stay unstable. And it's all right if at seasons we're unstable, as long as we get around people that can help kind of shore us up. I don't know if anyone works in construction in here, but, you know, if you're going to build a structure that can handle weight, you've got to think through the size of timbers and the size of fasteners and everything. How, how firm is the foundation? What's going to be going on? And is it lateral movement and up and down movement? Well, there's a lot of thought that goes into safety so that the structure can hold what it's meant to hold. And this young man is simply a building under construction. A lot of us in this room, we're a building under construction. And it says, when the servant of the man got up and he went and he saw the army surrounding them, he said, oh, my Lord, what shall we do? As I was reading that story, I was looking up the word servant. And it just so happens that in verse 15, there's two servants. There's one at the top and one at the bottom. And they both mean different things. Same man but different servants. The first servant means minister or worshiper. I like that one. I like that one, minister, worshiper. I feel like I'd get a big badge on my jacket and just show it off to everybody. But the other servant means adolescence, childlike, young, and unproven. I don't want that badge on me. I like to be the worshiper and I like to be the minister, but every now and again, we need to be reminded that we are people in process. That we don't just show up one day having everything we need and knowing all the, all the ins and the outs, but through the process of being in God's presence around God's people, we can become who God has called us to be. There was a man, the servant, he was a minister and a worshiper. And it said he, was, he came out worshiping, but he ran inside worrying. That might be the quickest wardrobe change in all the Bible. That morning, walking out, ready to breathe in the brisk morning air, only to see the enemy surrounding them and quickly running back inside to see what the, what, the, what the seer will say. That might be some of us today. Maybe on a Sunday, we're the worshiper. Maybe on a Sunday, we're the minister. I would not doubt it that some of the most beautiful ministry that happens in these rooms and these spaces on a Sunday morning, no doubt it happens up here, but I guarantee you it's happening out in the lobby. I guarantee you it's happening in the children's ministry. I know for a fact it's happening in the parking lot. I know it's happening before and after service. You're encouraging one another. You're praying for one another. God is probably giving some of you just thoughts of encouragement and words to say that you don't really even know what God is doing, but he's just using you to encourage the people around you. Some Every now and again, my dad would talk about a Pentecostal handshake talk about how somebody walked up to him and said, Brother Woodson, it's good to see you. And in the handshake would be a whole bunch of cash. And dad really loved those handshakes. <laughs> but there's no doubt that God is doing that all around the room. But it's also no doubt that some of us are just like this young servant, a bit unstable, a bit wobbly on our feet. And we need someone like the, like, like the seer in our life. That servant that morning walked out a worshiper and he ran in a warrior. He walked out a conqueror and he ran in a coward. It's just like the devil to try to keep us inside. It's just like the devil to surround us with an enemy and for us to run inside and hide and hope that it all goes away. But when God gets in our life, he doesn't want us to hide inside. He wants us to be strong and courageous. Isn't that what he told Joshua? 
He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, then you, next man up. Let's go conquer the world together. Everything I promised to Moses, you can have Joshua because God has no grandchildren. God doesn't work through me to get to you all the time. In moments like this, he does. But you're not his grandkid, you're his child. And he's gonna treat you like a child and raise you like a child. But don't throw stones at this young servant. Don't look down at him. I want you to say this out loud. Say God is up to something. Say it again. Say God is up to something. And, and here's the truth. That could describe some of us, a Sunday worshiper, a Monday worrier. A weekend worshiper, a weekday worrier. That could be some of us, but it doesn't have to stay all of us. The servant said, what shall we do? He was looking wrong, but he was thinking right. He couldn't see it out there, so he got next to the man that could see, and he said, this is what I see. Prophet, what do you see? And the prophet quickly said this. He said, don't be afraid. The prophet's answer was this. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Even though it looks like we're at the minority, we are a majority. And some of us in this room, we feel like a minority. We feel like we are the, the last man to be invited. We feel like we're the last one invited to the party. We feel like we're on the outside looking in. But God, don't forget, has you surrounded. He turned the battleground into a classroom. And here's what I believe the prophet was saying to the servant. He said, it's too soon to panic. It's too soon to panic. And I think that's something we can adopt in our own lives. It's too soon to panic. We never see God, we never see Jesus in a hurry. We never see Jesus running anywhere. We never see him uh, out of breath. We never see him missing an appointment. We never see Jesus uh, just sort of frantically saying, oh, what are we going to do? In fact, in Matthew chapter five, at the, at the Sermon on the Mount, the Bible says that all these people were following Jesus. And it was at that point that at the height of his ministry that the Bible says Jesus went up a mountain. So Jesus went up a mountain and the Bible says he sat down. He didn't invite his followers. He didn't call to them. He didn't say, I want to see who will come when I call them. He said, I want to see who will follow me when I leave. And so they all, many of them followed up the mountain. And when they got to the top of the mountain, Jesus was seated. He wasn't giving a tour. He wasn't walking frantically. Notice this and notice that and come quickly. There's lots to do. I think we could all understand that Jesus was a man on a mission. But like some of us have a difficult time doing sometimes Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples that my pace and my posture are leading you into the next season. And I'm so thankful that there's a moment in all of our lives where we're in a certain setting and we're walking with the heart of a servant and everything goes sideways, but God puts a voice in our life like Elisha that says, do not fear, do not be afraid. Those that are with us are more than those that are against us. Cathedral of Faith, you are not alone. Your best, you've got some great days behind you. I love seeing the old videos. I love hearing Pastor Kenny preach. I love, hear, I love seeing dad when he had hair. And I love, I, love, I love all the fun stuff. But your best days are not back there. Your best days are in front of you. The best is yet to come.
I want to pray for you this morning. Father, we honor you today. And in this room, I know that there are people that have accomplished great things in the kingdom. Out at the campuses and listening online. Absolute world changers. Many in this place, they're not novices or newbies in the kingdom. But yet still find themselves in times of feeling unstable and curious about what's around the corner. God, today, more than anything, I pray that you, like the seer, prayed for the servant. I pray you would open our eyes. That we would no longer see the armies of darkness and focus on the gloom and despair. But lift our eyes today. We want to see the king. We want to see the conqueror. Bring hope back into hearts and families and souls today. If you're here today and you say, Brian, will you pray with me? Will you pray that God would help open my eyes to see the chariots of fire? If that's you right where you're sitting, just will you raise your hand? I want to lead you in a prayer today. Father, you see these hands. You see these hearts. You know their stories. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that no matter how intimidating the enemy gets, how puffed up and intimidating he makes himself look, that we would look past the enemy and we would see your chariots, your chariots of fire, because you are the conqueror. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brian. That's such a good word, man. Such a good word. Would you stand with me, please? In just a moment, we're going to go to the Lord's table. Can we give God praise for his word? Thank you, Brian, for that encouraging word. Those that are for us are more than those that are against us. Let that get in your spirit today. Pastor Vaughn and the team are going to come and, and sing. And as they do, prepare your heart to receive, even during this moment, for God to encourage you. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Open our eyes. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen. Amen. Pastor Vaughn, lead us. Anybody believe in the miracle power of our God today? For the lost and lonely For the broken and afraid In these battles of addiction Hoping help is on the way In these battles of addiction 
When fear is chasing after me Whatever trouble I am facing I will lift my hands and sing hey. I believe in miracle power In the wonder-working God I'm filled with the Holy Spirit Working wonders in my heart I belong to a loving Father I'm a friend of Christ's Son When it feels like I won't Victory is in the house. Amen. 
his victory becomes our victory. So Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you that because of your victory, we can be victorious. And as we eat today, we eat in faith. And we take in the victory that is ours because of Jesus Christ. Let's eat of the bread of Christ. Jesus, because of you gave your life, we can have life, we can have a victorious life and live in that victory. And so, in faith, we drink in our victory today. That those who are for us are greater than those who are against us. We stand in agreement and our eyes are fixed on you. Let's drink of the cup of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Now I invite you, we have an affirmation of faith here at Cathedral of Faith, and it's a series of scriptures that declares who we are. And so I invite you to join with me, and let's make that declaration today, everybody. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. For great is our God, and greatly is he to be praised. I'm his child. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Therefore, no weapon that's formed against me shall prosper. The weapons of my warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of enemy strongholds. I am more than a conqueror. I am victorious because I walk by faith and not by sight. And greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, just a couple of quick things. Again, thanks so much for coming out today. Uh, Pastor Brian, thank you for that word of victory today. Would you let Pastor Brian and his family know again, man, how much it just spoke to us. After service, if you need prayer, our team will be here to pray with you and pray for you. And then don't forget, you can get on your way out. Take some of those invite cards. Holy Week starts next Sunday. You've heard of March Madness. Well, Cathedral of Faith, in one week, it's going to be Messiah Madness because we're crazy about Jesus. And so I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Let me speak God's blessing over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And this week, especially this week, may you know that God is with you and God is for you. And because of Jesus, his victory is your victory. And I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All God's people said, amen. God blesses you. Go. Have an awesome day.